Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Health Lawyer Podcast with Julian Whitehead. So if you just purchased a practice, well, this episode will briefly outline some items new practice owners should really consider. Welcome everybody again. So just acquired a a practice. Now what? Settlement of your practice acquisition, it's just occurred and you have commercial acquisitions fatigued and new practice owner anxiety. You now agree that it is not just like buying a house and you are standing in your new practice, keys in hand, ready for patients, but operationally, commercially, and legally, what's next? There are many immediate post-settlement requirements purchases must, must action. And don't consider these tasks to be too arduous, but take them on systematically. With the autonomy of being an owner that you now have, good management of these, these tasks make it easier for you and your staff and your patients. Your practice purchase agreement, business sale agreement, contract of sale of business, whatever you might, whatever has been put in front of you and you've signed off and you've settled, it'll outline post-settlement requirements. However, on an actual settlement day, some of these post-settlement requirements may have been put into the too hard basket and, yeah, flagged for both vendor and the purchaser to action soon after settlement. Well, whilst working with an experienced team like our sponsor podcast, Whitehead Legal, we, well, we, they, they, they ensure that the immediate settlement date requirements are satisfied and key milestone dates are met. However, there are always a few steps that purchasers can jump into to jumpstart the process. We, or it's Whitehead Legal, have a, has a great general to-do list that purchases can action once settlement has occurred. And so here's a glimpse, a couple of items that I do want to just briefly discuss. Update the ownership of your intellectual property. So business names, trademarks, websites, domains, Google accounts, practice emails, website hosting, and all social media must be transferred to you at settlement. There is a large scale, there's large scale goodwill in your new practice IP and your social media and online presence, including the, those Google reviews, they need your immediate control. You need to secure your practice goodwill attributable to the IP. This also applies to your practice managerial software details and passwords. Update these from the settlement date so that you have proper billing and patient tracking from settlement. Another important item is registrations. 
your new practice radiation registrations need to align with your new practitioners and your premises. It's not as simple as transferring these from the vendor to you. And we hope your vendor actually had registrations or they would be breaching your state's radiation legislation. It's remarkable how many practices we find when we're acting for purchasers who either don't have radiation licenses or the licenses are outdated or inadequate for the premises and the practice that clients of ours are purchasing. So another element is accepting and managing patient payments. So if whether it be via HICAPS, TAP, FBOS, you need these payment machines transferred from the vendor's nominated bank accounts. So you don't have to chase the vendor for payments made to the vendor after settlement. Some merchant processing can take days, even weeks to transfer. So what we like to do, we like to ensure that the vendor's lawyer is, is alert and has alerted the vendor that the transfer of these merchant processes must be actioned as soon as possible after signing the agreement and not the day prior to settlement. Another element that gets thrown into the two hard baskets is reconciliation of adjustments. On occasions, adjustments can't be reconciled in, on the settlement day. So within an agreeable timeline, within say seven business days, you should be checking commercial outgoings, employee entitlements, annual, personal, long service leave, material business contracts, contracts paid in advance or arrears, prepaid patient treatments, etc. You should check these with the vendor for final certification. A lot of the time, uh, practice acquisitions involve the vendor staying on after settlement in a consultancy role or as an employee. Run it past them. Make sure that you're up to date with, with reconciliations. You don't want to find out in six months that there's been an error. There's, there's usually time to do it after settlement, but the longer it takes, of course, it's, it's, it's trickier. Another, another item that's hopefully not too much of a too hard basket is practice records and the original acquisition documentation. Depending on the age of the practice that, that you've acquired and when the practice had electronically converted its records, the records transfer may merely require access to the vendor's computer or then, and as such, the vendor software. Your original acquisition documentation really should be in your records as a hard copy, along with an electronic copy. Uh, also, don't forget the original lease documentation and the original staff contracts and the consulting dentist's contracts. The actual hard copy acquisition documentation, so the business sale agreement, contract to sale business, whatever, that can be agreed between the relevant parties to be an electronic copy. However, we like originals and they're best to be kept in a safe place. Another item is securing your interests. Now, depending on your acquisition structure and whether you purchase the practice with another practitioner, another physio, another vet, another dentist, you should consider engaging 
us to prepare practice-related ongoing agreements. So partnership agreements, associateship, shareholder, unit holder agreements. When there are multiple owners, there needs to be a multiple owner agreement between each other. And these formalised practice strategies, whether they be operational or professional, they're all containing appropriate preemptive rights, enforceable practice restraints, administrative and staff control, termination from retirement or incapacitation. And it is imperative that the ongoing agreements adapt correctly to you as the practitioner or to, to the group as practitioners and as practice owners and adapts to your practice structure rather than the other way around having a pro forma template that requires your group to adapt to it. Fairly self-explanatory why this should be in place. Constitutions, trustees are usually inadequate in dealing with what I've just mentioned, practice restraints, rights of preemption, termination. Another item and the, the final item I'll de detail today is securing your consulting dentists. It's been previous podcasts that we've done on the importance of protecting your interests. Many uh, health practices still engage consultants via handshake arrangements. Their, their professional staff are not documented. Remarkably, <laughs> we've it's inadequate not to have documented not professional staff. You may again need to engage us to prepare consulting agreements, employee contract or service provider agreements for these uh, lead practitioners to ensure that your practice is security against possible practice restraint breaches, to protect confidential information, practice confidential information and your brand's intellectual property that you've acquired and to ensure that the remuneration and, and the termination is all documented appropriately. You'll also, of course, need employment agreements for your non-professional staff, but for the professional staff and, and documenting proper, proper remuneration, just for pure example, remuneration, can be tricky because if it's not documented properly and in four or five years, I've alerted to you this to before, but in four or five years, the, the practitioner puts their hand up and says, well, I thought I, had, had, I was entitled to long service leave. And then you have an argument as to whether or not they're an employee or a, a consultant. So best do it uh, now when you've, when you've acquired, but because this is your new setup, your new practice structure and the consultants have, uh, should form, form into your own practice structure and be able to comply with your proffered agreements. That should be commercially reasonable to, uh, to any of the consultants. They can't, they, you won't be able to change any, any terms to be less favourable, but it does formalise it into a, a, to properly uh, secure your practice. So, in our, or in, in our experience, having a, a settlement day one checklist is a starting point that will, of course, lessen your ownership anxiety. This should free up 
more, more time for you to get to know your new patientele and staff and your practice and for you to assume a leadership role in, yeah, in this turbulent age of coronavirus. The sooner the, dis the discussed items are taken out of the proverbial uh, too hard basket and are actioned and are completed, the better position you, your practice and your future practice profitability will be. Thanks for listening to me today. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Tell your friends I'm contactable via the links in the podcast and in any other matter, email, mobile. Don't forget to look out on our website for industry, blogs and other podcasts. This is Julian Whitehead for the Health Lawyer Podcast.